listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, everyone? Yet another crazy week in Lakerland after Magic's drama-filled appearance on First Take this past Monday. Ended up hijacking Frank Vogel's press conference to lots of national media questioning the organization. We have some good news about one Laker. Of course, it comes with a side of gossip as well. We'll get into that in just a second. Before that, I have to remind you, this show is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network, part of SB Nation. Make sure you subscribe to us through iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers-related news, analysis, opinions, Everything is there as well. On for me for this episode, the evil evil genius behind the magic, my man Harrison Fagan. Harrison, what's going on, my man? Don't don't blame me for magic. Come on, you got to rephrase <laughs> that. Like that is not this is not my fault. Okay, everyone, I did not do this. I did not convince Magic to go on first take and blow up this whole week. Well, you've been on, you've been synonymous with silverscreenandroll.com for about as long as the Lakers have been crappy. So maybe maybe there is something to go along with it there. Yeah, you know, that's that's that one is on me. I, I'm starting to come around to the idea that this team may just like they signed LeBron and they're still a mess all the time. And I'm starting to think that I might be the problem. That's good. You know what? The first step is admitting it. Now we can try and re- rectify it from here going forward. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned off the top, a little bit of gossip going on earlier today, recording this on a Thursday. Uh, ESPN's Brian Windhorst, one of the best in the business, been in the podcast here with us a couple times as well. Uh, he was on a couple of different shows on the mothership. He was on PTI. Saying from what he understands, LeBron already begun the recruiting process. Windhorst did say he's heard he's had contact with Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. Plus, he went on Stephen A. Smith's show saying that Kyrie, considering the Lakers, he's been in touch with LeBron as well. But before you get a little too excited about that Kyrie thing, I do want to caution. Windhorst added the Knicks and Nets are higher on Kyrie's list. And he also mentioned that Kyrie, although Kyrie and LeBron mesh well together in terms of on-court performance, the personalities, eh, not so much. We saw how that ended in Cleveland. But Harrison, another whirlwind of uh, Lakers news going on when they're not even in the conference finals, when you got a big game five coming up soon between the Bucks and the Raptors. What do you make of all these rumors? You know, like, I, I'll just say, like, the there, there's that old saying of, like, the devil works hard, but, you know, uh, LeBron James's camp works harder. And uh, they are certainly doing a good job of getting their narrative out there over the last 24 hours or so. Because the, in addition to all the stuff that you mentioned, there was the report that uh, Anthony and I discussed on Lockdown Lakers yesterday from Sam Amick of The Athletic that LeBron's camp before... The, even before the Magic Johnson first take appearance was a little bit concerned with how all of the mess and all of the dysfunction was going to affect their ability to uh, to recruit free agents. And so, like, you have that, and then it seems like that has not deterred them from going out there and, you know, letting it be known that, they, that LeBron is out there doing his best to recruit these free agents. And this is not the first that we've heard of LeBron reaching out to Kyrie. We've heard that one before. And we've heard, the you know, there were, like, some there was some scuttlebutt, like, about a week or so ago, I believe. Believe that Kawhi Le- that LeBron was in Philadelphia, or he was following Kawhi Leonard from city to city, trying to recruit him. And so he's doing whatever he can to try and get the narrative to get the message out there that he wants to find his next All Star to pair himself with. When we're hearing all these rumors, and and the Lakers have the cap space to make it happen, no no doubt about it, and they're looking to improve their team at the same time. If you look at what happened during the year with Anthony Davis and and kind of the the downfall that really happened after the rumor started that you know is every day you would you would turn on the TV turn on your radio uh, load up the internet go on Twitter you were seeing some sort of rumor that hey the Lakers making a strong push for uh, Anthony Davis out of New Orleans and then we saw kind of the the outcome of that which is 
it took a huge toll on the young guys. It took a, a, a bit of a hit in the locker room in terms of the morale. Um, when these guys, and I'm referring to the young guys, especially the, the prominent ones in Lonzo, Kuzma, and Ingram, how do you think that's going to play out in, the, in their head if they're looking at you know, paying all this attention, trying to improve the team through free agency? Do you think that might hurt them a little bit? I think free agency is a different thing than trying to improve it through a trade, right? Because in a trade, you're trying to move all those guys out. Whereas like free agency, yes, it will. It'll probably it'll presumably affect their minutes. It'll affect their touches. You know, there will be adverse effects for those players if if, you know, the team recruits free agents and star free agents to pair with LeBron. But it's not quite the same thing as going after them in a trade. So, like, they can worry about, like, like Josh Hart, there was, a, there was like, a quote from him that was, I, I'm not even going to say it was taken out of context because it's not even what he said. But, it, like, somebody put up a quote graphic saying that, like, he was concerned about them signing Kyrie because then where does his money come from? That's not even close to what he said, just to get that message out there. He was talking about just in generalities about, like, how when teams sign free agents as a player – you start to wonder like how all that money's coming in and how it's all going to be divided up. Like he was not saying that he should be paid before the Lakers pay Kyrie Irving in any way. But you know, it is something, uh, the reason I bring that up even is not only to dispel that false narrative that he said that, but also to like the, the, the players, they do think about it, but I don't think that it's as, it's as big of a thing as if you're trying to, you know, like trade all of them to new Orleans for Anthony Davis. So like that could obviously be the next step if they get, get one of these max free agents and that could be part of what they're telling these max free agents that they can potentially do but I, I still think that when we're at this step in the plan it's a little bit different for those younger guys yeah I agree I mean and, and this is a summertime you they know that if uh, but I also think that at the same time they're gonna have to know that if they bring in a Kawhi Leonard a Jimmy Butler a Kyrie Irving that means one of them's probably going to go, don't you think? Because I don't think there's enough room on, on this team to have a roster of, let's just say, I'm, I'm totally being uh, you know hypothetical with this one. They do get Kyrie. Okay, so that, that pretty much well puts the writing on the wall for Lonzo, doesn't it? Maybe, but I, I think that they could play together. But yeah, he would be, if if you were you know power ranking the young guys most likely to be used as a trade asset, like post free agency, if they sign... Kyrie it's Lonzo because like you know that isn't it, it's a fit that could probably work it's just not necessarily the most seamless fit and so it may not be ultimately what they decide is best for the organization and the best like allocation of assets whereas you know on the flip side of that you have if they sign Kyrie or not sorry not Kyrie Kawhi all these K names are going to have me messed <laughs> yeah, up like yeah. all summer <laughs> um, if they sign Kawhi then I think that you can like it, again this isn't to say like Brandon Ingram's out the door but I think that Brandon Brandon Ingram being a long-term part of the Lakers is less likely because it's like, are, are you better off having three wings that are at that level or are you, you better off trading Ingram for someone that can help you in a different position of need? And so, like, you know, I, I think that those are, pro again, those are probably factors. And at the very least, even if it doesn't lead to those guys being traded, it could theoretically lead to their minutes being cut, their shots being affected. And so it, it I think it does affect them. But to, to me, the biggest thing out of all of this is just that LeBron is really out there and he's really trying to go get one of these guys or at least that's what we're hearing and I think in like in a month when all we've heard uh, is bad things about the Lakers other than them getting the number four pick like that was obviously a good thing and them hire Vogel said some nice things but for the most part it's mostly been negatives about the Lakers. And so the fact now that you have LeBron going out there and recruiting, like uh, that, finally there is something good to look forward to. Even if it sounds like Kyrie isn't the most likely option, you at least 
can start to feel like as a Lakers fan, okay, I have a chance here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what LeBron James is doing because when he saw the team win seven out of 22 games without him, they, I would be trying to recruit some people to come play too just in case he does get hurt or he has to sit out next season. He doesn't have to be worried about the fact that the team's just, just going to, you know, completely uh, self-combust and, and seeing what happened there because I think everybody was expecting those young guys to make that step this year and not to say they're going to be at LeBron's level, but they were going to be a support system that it didn't have to be all about LeBron every single night and and we saw what happened the team totally cratered without him obviously he had the other injuries happening but um you know when, when you look at that perspective of let's say a Kawhi Leonard who's got a pretty good thing going right now in, in Toronto you know a couple of wins away from the final uh, you have Jimmy Butler who had a really good run with with the Sixers he was the number one option maybe 1A next to Embiid uh, during their second round series loss to Toronto and and Kyrie well as we know that thing's probably wrapped up with him in Boston yeah I was gonna say Kyrie like you're listing all these good things for these other guys and Kyrie it's like well Kyrie yeah he's probably gone yeah, yeah he's gone and so I mean and, and I've been saying that a lot on this podcast and I've been saying it throughout the season that if they do have a shot at one of those K's and I'm referring to Kawhi Kyrie um Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. I've always thought Kyrie is is the best option, just because of how much they struggled uh, the Celtics as an organization this year, both on and off the court. Yeah, I I mean he he would also uh, the the point that Windhorse made actually when he was reporting his thing that's interesting to hear because it's always kind of been alluded to and there have been scattered stories about LeBron and Kyrie not getting along. Obviously, obviously that was like pointed to as one of the reasons that Kyrie left Cleveland was because he didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow and he wanted his own team and all of that stuff. Like so, him noting the person, I actually disagree that their games are so seamless and fit together so well. Like, I, I think that they fit. I think that the two of them figured out a way to make it work. But I don't think that it was like, like, he made it sound like it was, you know, Kyrie was LeBron's Scottie Pippen and functionally sort of, but they, I don't think that they were that seamless. And so, like, it was interesting, you know, to hear. But so it was to me, the bigger thing that popped up there was like, OK, if they're selling it as the concern is the personality thing, then that's like not great because the fit between them is already not. We've seen that it's not perfect. I think most of us would agree, even though they want to. That's kind. it seems like it's silly to say because they want a title in Cleveland. But I, I think that like just the how both of them kind of need to be a little bit ball dominant you almost feel like you'd be better off signing someone who gives you more on the defensive end and again it's like it's picking nits like if you can get a max free agent that's obviously something that the lakers should do but like it, you know if they're if they have a choice between Kyrie or Kawhi just hypothetically like it, there's an argument to be made that Kawhi is uh, like by far the better choice not just because he's like maybe overall the better player but because even if he loses some possessions to LeBron he'll still be able to like just transfer that energy to the defensive end that's why honestly like this is probably a hot take but I honestly think that Jimmy Butler might not be uh, like I don't think that's crazy to think that Jimmy Butler would be a better fit than uh, Kyrie if you're just I mean the mileage and the age are a real concern but like I, I think that just if we're looking strictly at on the court stuff Jimmy Butler might be a more seamless fit than Kyrie I think so too. I think he his game fits better with LeBron because although Jimmy Butler is a, a bit of a creator, he's not exactly a high high volume assist guy or anything, but he he could score like that. And when if when and if LeBron is struggling to get to the hoop, maybe his his jumper's not falling. Jimmy Butler comes in and and, and can do that and be your kind of secondary Robin to LeBron's Batman, which we've been looking for 
all season. Whereas I, I think the same thing with Kyrie too. They're both very ball dominant. They need it in their hands in order to be effective, especially on the offensive end. Uh, Kyrie, a little bit of a better, I think, spot up three point shooter and just kind of waiting on the wing for, for an open uh, kick out off a of penetration. But yeah, but ask Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and all those guys how much he enjoys that role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could you could see that too. He's just a miserable guy. He's ne- he's just never happy. Kyrie and Kevin Durant are two biggest enigmas I think we've seen in the NBA who are actually all stars in a long time. Yeah, I think you and I talked about this on a podcast a couple months ago, but those two honestly deserve each other and they deserve mm. the New York media. Like, let <laughs> all of them just go be miserable together there, and we can laugh at it from afar and not have to stress over it here. Yeah, that that would probably be the optimal situation. It's just it's been so fascinating that the Knicks and the Lakers, the NBA, always a better place when when those teams are somewhat relevant. I'm kind of hoping. I mean, obviously, I want the Lakers to be there, but I'm kind of hoping the Knicks do start getting up into uh, being a prominent franchise again in terms of on court, not just off the court, because the the league as a whole is just better when you have those kind of signature franchises at that level. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I I, th- I agree with you. I think that the league is probably better off. I personally don't care, like, where the good teams are coming from. Like, you know, my my job primarily just centers on the Lakers, so, like, I just keep track of them. And, you know, if other teams are good, like, that's great for them. But Adam Silver has to be, like, somewhere praying to whatever gods he believes in that that's the scenario is, like, you know, like, so let's say Kawhi comes to the Lakers and the Knicks get K- KD and Kyrie and they end up in the finals against each other. Like, that would be the highest rated finals of all time and it might even challenge the super bowl on some nights like with those two media markets oh yeah that that would be the by a country mile that would be the highest uh, highest rated nba finals matchup i think since you know maybe magic and, and bird back then i mean just in probably terms even of higher than that there's capita. more people that watch now yeah and, and then adam silver's done done a great job he, he did bring up one thing i didn't like i do want to get into that but we'll do it after this short break and we are back. It was mentioning Adam Silver. You, you had brought up kind of what he would like to see with the Knicks and Lakers. What do you think about the whole proposal to start West Coast games a little bit earlier? Okay, so I know this is an unpopular opinion, and it's uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that this is inherently selfish. I don't, again, I don't care about really what's best for the league. I personally care about what is best for numero uno. And for me, like, it would be great if the Lakers started their games at 630 because I would be able to be home before midnight. That would be awesome. <laughs> but I know that for a lot of people with traffic concerns and that commute and that can't take the train in because they live like too far away or whatever, like disabled center, that's a real concern at getting. And I'm like, I empathize with that. And I'm not like I'm not rooting it for it to screw you over. Obviously, if you're a listener and you're screaming at me, like, why would you want games to start at 630? But for me personally, like you got to understand, I'm there for a couple hours after the game ends like I would like to be home earlier so like that is my you know I'm gonna be honest and say that I'm being completely selfish in this but I I actually would love it if he did that but I don't think he will you know I think that's something fans don't understand like I've I've covered uh, I covered the Canucks back home in the NHL I've covered a few Lakers and Clippers games while, while I've been down here it's awesome it's a great job it's the best job in the world for people like us who just love sports and especially basketball but at the same time it's like yeah dude when you're sitting through a 15 16 point game and you're you're sitting through game 60 of the season you're about ready to pack it in and call it a night. And if you can get home an hour earlier, you're like, hell yeah, get me home. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like there, uh, I'm not going to lie. There are nights where I just didn't write something because I felt like I wanted to go home and I was just like, I'll write it in the morning. Like, <laughs> especially towards the end of the season. Oh yeah. I mean, when, when they were just playing out the string there, it was, it, it was tough to watch and it was tough to be motivated all the time to, uh, to sit there and, and put the hard work in. Cause it's tough to find angles at that point. You're like, no, this team is a complete, 
soap There's opera, and yeah, and 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 that's really it. But I, I'm kind of a I wouldn't mind if they started the games like you said at six thirty. I think seven thirty is a bit late, regardless. Even here on the on the West Coast, I mean, it's different in LA because you have the, the traffic issue all the time for people trying to get to and from uh, Staples Center. But I, I think you know if they, if they did go like six thirty, do you think six is too early? Uh I mean, not for me, but I think for some people, yeah. I think like I, I think if people are complaining about six thirty, then six is probably too early for a lot of fans. Oh, it'll be it'll be interesting what they if they do make a change on that because he seems pretty adamant that they're at least going to have the discussion this summer uh, when they have their meetings. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Want to get back to on court stuff w- with the Lakers? We were, we were mentioning uh, off the top here. We we're talking a little bit about the free agency and Brian Windhorst going on with uh, a couple of ESPN shows today, PTI and Stephen A. Smith, talking about how the Lakers have kind of used LeBron and he's been out there putting on his recruiter hat trying to get guys like Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. But when you look at this, what does that do with the number four pick? Let's just say hypothetically they do get one of those three in terms of Kyrie, Kawhi, or Jimmy Butler. When you look at that number four pick, does that become more available in a trade? Or do you may take a guy, consider taking a guy who has a really high ceiling, might not be there yet in terms of polish, but he has that opportunity to grow into a superstar. Do, do you think that adds more options with the number four pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I honestly think that regardless, they're going to trade that. I just don't really think that they have room for more young players on this team. So they're going to trade that or they're going to trade some of these other young guys. But I don't think that they can keep all of them and continue to just develop everyone. Like, I think that they're going to have to cash some of those in for an asset, which is why I think you're going to hear like discussion. Although it became less likely, I think, by Bra- by Bradley Beal not getting the Supermax. I think that Washington will be less desperate to get out of uh, from under his contract. So that hurts the Lakers on that front, although obviously that would have been a massive deal and a big gamble for them to trade for him. And it it would have taken more than just the number four pick, but you know what I mean. And so, like, there are guys that will be um, on the trade market that can help. There was a rumor that the Lakers were interested in Kyle Lowry as a possible backup plan Mm -hmm. in a trade or something like that. So, like, there are going to be guys on the market. And I honestly just think, uh, like, I'm at the point where I think that they have enough young guys. I actually talked about this with Darius on the Laker Film Room podcast this week. And um, we we were both of the mind that they have to trade. I don't know. Like, do you feel differently? Do you think that there's a chance they keep it? I just I can't really see it unless they move some of the other young guys. I think that they they could keep it if they make some moves ahead of time going into the draft. You know what I mean? And and I, I don't think they could look at it because I, I was talking about this uh, a little bit last week too with Sasha on the podcast is if you look at, at what they have, I mean, they kind of missed out on the top three. Not, you can't complain if you jump up as, as much as they did. They got a top four pick out of it. But yeah. I mean, you got Zion, John Morant, and RJ Barrett. Unless something crazy happens, those are probably going to be the top three picks. And then you have a bunch of unknowns. And and, and each guy kind of brings his own different skill set. And, and some of them are the same. Like to me, I think a guy like Darius Garland, who has the, the potential, Cam Reddish, also the potential to be a big time scorer. It's like, do you have room for those guys on the current roster? If you keep Ingram, uh, Kuz and Lonzo Ball and LeBron and you bring in one of these guys, there's just no room and there's no point in keeping that pick. I agree with you. I think they have to look at maybe bringing in another asset or, or use that and flip that for a guy like Bradley Beal if you ship off this year's number one and maybe another one or two going down the line. 
Yeah, and you know, like well, the other thing that Darius Garland has going for him that you didn't mention was uh, that he is also a clutch client. And there was like there was a rumor on Reddit. To, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that this happened or it didn't happen, but it was just it was interesting because I don't really know why somebody would make this up. And they were talking about how they work at they work at a gym somewhere, and Garland was in there working out with LeBron, and like they were taking away everybody's phones and like not wanting people to tweet out videos and stuff. But I don't know. That was interesting to me. That perked my ears up. Yeah, that I mean, if he's attracted to clutch sports, anybody who's attracted to clutch sports who's in the NBA has a chance at being with with LeBron uh, wherever he wants to be. If if of course the King will have him. Yeah, and so I was actually while while we were both talking over the last couple minutes, I've been like listing out the free agents because I do think that like th- this is something that we should go over and I think spell out like just because we're all talking about all this in nebulous terms, right? Like Le- who's LeBron going to recruit? Whatever. Like we know that the Lakers have one max cap slot, and we know that the Knicks can get two of these guys. We know that Boston like could generate. We know that the Clippers have room. Like, but ultimately. They're going to be like it seems like this is going to be a pretty good time to go after star free agents and trying to pair them because like the Lakers do have an argument to get some of these guys because like the musical chairs are going to go round and round and like eventually it's somebody doesn't have to sign with the Lakers because all these guys could all like go back to their original teams or whatever. But you have Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson. Like those are a lot of good names. And again, like half of those guys or more could all go back to their current teams. But if they all decide to move or like a good amount of them decide to move, then the Lakers are, you know, sitting pretty with LeBron as a recruiter and the ability to sign another star to play alongside of him and then like all of these assets that they can say that they may use in a trade for Anthony Davis. Well, like like you said, with that with that max slot that they have, if they're able to get one of those big name dudes, you're going to attract some veterans who, who who might come here a little bit cheaper because they're like, yep. hey, it's a it's the Lakers, it's Los Angeles, and I'm playing with two great players and I have a chance at winning. Uh, I, I think one thing that uh, Windhorse mentioned a couple months ago when he was in the podcast here is that a guy like Seth Curry would be a perfect fit for the Lakers because they do need something coming off that bench. And and I agree with you. I mean, if you if you sign one of those guys, that's going to give you a little bit of more depth, obviously. But if you can sign a one or two more veterans at a little bit cheaper plus a max guy, I think they'll be sitting pretty. And, and with that roster, barring you know a nasty, crazy season like they had with all the injuries this year, I think you look at that, that's probably a top four list. Yeah, and Seth Curry will be a free agent this summer, which I did not realize. I, th- I definitely thought that Portland had signed him to a multi-year deal, but I was wrong. So um, that that's a guy that I think a lot of Lakers fans and a lot of bloggers, uh, I, I don't know that I was really on this train. I'm not going to take credit for that. But I know a lot of people at my site were, and they were saying the Lakers should have signed Seth Curry. And I think that he would be a great fit if the Lakers could find a way to get him in here. And he would be a guy that, like... I, I it seems like they learned their lesson from the lack of shooting around LeBron because they kind of it was sloppy, but they tried to fix it at the trade deadline. So that to me at least implies that they know that it was an issue and that they know they need shooters. And so you you have to go out and like whether it's a star or not, you got to find some guys that can hit spot up shots. And that's why um, like Ali Bapornia is uh, who does video for our site is coming out with a video on why Chris Middleton would actually be like a great option for the Lakers yeah. if both of them don't get their first because his first option is probably to go to back to the Bucks. But if they aren't willing to pay up, like they said they will, but who knows? And if like the Lakers don't get some of their top options, he would be a great guy because he's a great spot up shooter. 
and a guy that already know we already know can thrive off of driving kicks. And same thing with Seth Curry. And so you, you're going on down the list, and like obviously there's a big drop off from Middleton to Seth Curry. But like you got to the point is that the Lakers are going to have to find some of these guys so that they can like create some room for LeBron and then create some threes when he sucks guys into the paint. And Frank Vogel has talked a lot about wanting to play that way. So, yeah. You mean when when Magic was around when he said people are saying the Lakers don't have shooting? Oh, we got shooting. Like, no, Magic, you guys didn't have any shooting, and that was on display the entire season. So that's maybe, why I'm, maybe he I'm meant shooting and just not making. Yeah, like, he spent, like a lot of guys <laughs> like to shoot. Yeah, they're chuckers, right? Like George Costanza on Seinfeld. I think I might yeah. date myself with that one because you might be a little bit younger than me. But um, yeah, you know what? It, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. And, you know, we have to give Plinka a little bit of uh, a rope here and say, all right, man, you know what? Yeah, we know last year that uh, there was a big influence with what Magic was doing and, and his voice was obviously a big one in the room and he's got the keys right now to the Cadillac and let's see what he kind of ends up doing with it because Frank Vogel hit all the right terms and, and said all the right things at, uh, at the press conference. Most coaches, most coaches do sound great when they're coming into their introductory one. Uh, their ideas sound fresh, but it's going to be all up to how they construct this roster. Cause yeah, it looks like, Hey, you know what? They signed her max free agent. They got LeBron. They got guys like, uh, uh, Kuz and, and Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, but then you also have to look at the other factors. Okay, who's your big man? Who's going to protect the paint? They don't really have those kind of guys, so they have to be able to fill this out and make it into an actual composite team, not just a bunch of uh, a bunch of individuals playing together. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, uh, to bring things back full circle, if LeBron is going out there and trying to get this done, then that's a big help because this organization needs every kind of every kind of like piece of every bullet that they can get in the chamber to try and get one of these guys uh, like on this free agency hunt this summer. And if LeBron is already out there, you know, tampering his ass off and trying <laughs> to get one of these guys to come to L.A., then that's a good thing to have because it means that he is on board and he's still bought in and he, like despite all the dysfunction he still wants to make this work he's not just like uh you know what whatever i'm just gonna play out my last couple of years and he's such a competitive guy that it always seemed unlikely that he'd do that but it does demonstrate at least that he's out there and he's trying to fix this and so if he can make a compelling enough argument that like these guys are willing to really listen when they get into the room and then the Lakers can just like give Kurt Rambis the wrong address for the meeting then like you know <laughs> it would seem to be in a pretty good spot heading into these meetings. And again, that doesn't mean that they'll get someone. It, it's just like there is a path for them making a compelling pitch if they're all on the same page. And that's something that they've all talked about. And like you said, that's easy. Those are easy notes to hit in an introductory press conference. But coming in amidst all this dysfunction, it's still meaningful that they hit them. And so like Rob Palenka will theoretically be more bought in to Frank Vogel than he was with Luke Walton because he hired him and, you know, just hired him. And so, like, you're going to have him talking about all the ways that Frank can help out, like, this elite player alongside LeBron. LeBron's going to say, come on, you're the guy. Like, I want you to be my right hand and come in and inherit this franchise from me because I'm only going to be here another two years or so, two to three years. And, like, you can be the missing piece and we can go, you know, wreck the league together and really have a chance. And, you know, you have Vogel coming in and talking about how, like, this organization is aligned from top to bottom despite what you may have heard in the media. And maybe that's good enough enough to get them over the finish line with these guys. They only have to sell one. There only has to be one guy that decides to gamble on them despite everything else that's going on. And like that may not be the most likely option right now, but I do think that it's possible and we can't discount it yet. And so that's why it's, I think, a good thing that LeBron is out there.
I'll, I'll put you on the spot. If you had to pick one of those big name free agents, you know, the, the K guys that we've talked about, Kawhi, um, Kevin It's Durant. actually remarkable how many of them have a first name starting with. Uh, you have Kyrie, Kawhi, Kemba, Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson. The only one on this list that I listed just now that doesn't start with K is Jimmy. And yeah. like that. That that's just weird. I don't. It like is. K's it not. is weird. It's yeah. Like a bunch anyway, of, a bunch of the K dudes, but uh, okay, out of the K dudes and Jimmy Butler, who would you say the Lakers have the best shot at at being in the purple and gold next year? Honestly, I think it's Jimmy Butler because now that Kemba Walker is eligible for the Supermax in Charlotte, I think they're going to give it to him because I don't think that there's like a stomach there for a complete rebuild and letting. Uh, yeah, I think probably the best player in franchise history walk. So I, I think that like I think he's probably going to end up saying there. You just go down the list like Kyrie. I, I have a feeling like despite what like despite what Windhorse said, and even he said that Brooklyn and New York are still more likely at this point. I think Kyrie's mm. headed for New York on some level. Uh, Kawhi is hard to read, but it just seems like there's been enough noise that no matter how confident the Lakers are that they have a shot at him, um, like that he's more likely to go somewhere else, even if we can't rule out the Lakers. Uh, and then, you, you know, Kevin Durant is, uh, I, I think, Knicks bound. I think they've pretty much telegraphed that. Middleton, you would think, would stay with the Bucks. Thompson, you would think, would stay with the Warriors. And so that really, like, if we're going down musical chairs, that really leaves Jimmy Butler and, you know, he posted that Instagram the other day, like thanking the city of Philadelphia. And sure, that could mean like for the season. But that's a really weird thing to just post like a couple weeks after the season ended to just be like, all right. Yeah, thanks to everyone for everything. <laughs> yeah, that, that the timing of that. I saw that as well. And the timing of that was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Usually you see it kind of happen right away. But uh, I, I, I think I still think Kyrie Irving, if, if they can sell it the right way and pitch it the right way and LeBron does his thing. I, I think he's the guy that, that we could see ending ending up here uh, next year. Going to wrap up with this one. Uh, LeBron James, if you didn't hear LeBron James, named to third team All-NBA. 15th time in his career he's been named to one of the All-NBA teams. Uh, actually ends his 11-year run of being on the first team, though. Some of the guys he's tied with now include Kobe Kareem and Tim Duncan. Uh, dude put up monster numbers over 55 games. I know it didn't feel like it because of how much the team kind of struggled in terms of wins and losses. He's putting up 27, 8 and 8. Uh, when you were around the team a lot and, and kind of seeing it, do you think this kind of stuff matters to him at all, the individual accolades, or is he just way past that? I think like short term right now, like it, like it, it, whoever ha whoever went in and told LeBron if he didn't see it on his phone that he had made third team all NBA, like I'm assuming that he did not like start screaming and running around his house and like pick them up and like, you know, really excited joy or whatever. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, it, it, it has to mean something like you're still voted as one of the top 15 players in the league, although for a guy like him, like. On one hand, like if we're looking at this from uh, like the distance and we're taking a far reaching look at this 15 years in a row and tying that record of being on an all NBA team is a really huge accomplishment and shouldn't be overlooked. And that will be the type of thing that like gets, you know, talked about when we're people are having goat discussions and things like that down the line and talking about LeBron's legacy and his consistency and all of that. Um, but at the same time for him, I, I almost imagine that it feels like a slap in the face as ridiculous as that sounds because I'm sure that he still believes that he is one of the best five players in the NBA if not the best and it has to be frustrating that an injury basically knocked him down because like if he had had those averages over the course of the season and let's say missed 10 games instead of you know a career high I think it was 27 he missed um it, like he'd be looking at second or first team and we would be looking at the Lakers very differently and so for him I, I it has to serve as motivation you would think right 
Mm-hmm. I, I think so, too. I, I think he's going to look at this and, and come back even hungrier and stronger this year. I, I do think that he got caught up in the hoopla of being in L.A. And I'm not saying that he didn't try hard or didn't put the work in because, I mean, you saw, well, maybe not defensively. We saw he was a bit of a pylon there. But, I mean, offensively, he, he did his thing. But I agree with you. I think he's going into this a little bit different. Like, all right, you know what? This is the end of, of my run. You know, I got another two, three, four years left, however many years he decides to play. And I think he's really going to come out and, and, and try and put on a performance. Now, will his body allow that? He's turning 35 coming up in December. That remains to be seen because father time's undefeated. But I, I do think he's going to be motivated to come out here and, and shut the haters up because he got a lot, a lot of people rolling on him this season and, and really making him the scapegoat for what happened with the Lakers. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous because, like, the whole trade deadline thing, he deserves some time some piece of that blame pie but by far not the biggest slice of it or even close to it he does not deserve and so you know i I, like i I think yes like obviously he could have done i guess a little bit more but some of that was a lot most of that was out of his control with the injury and all that stuff like like lebron is still an amazing player when he is healthy and able to suit up and if they're able to you know, like make sure that he's not going to have any more groin issues going forward and get him ready to go for the season. And he spends so much on his body that I have all the faith in the world that his team is going to do whatever they can to make sure that that happens. Like, I I think he's going to come back and have a really strong year next year because like he, like you said, he's going to want to shut all these people up and he's going to want to make sure that these voters don't have the option to give him like almost the like sympathy third team vote. I agree. And I think he's looking at that like uh, as a competitor, because that's what people seem to forget. They they think these guys are a bunch of spoiled babies and and they're whatever some people do about athletes. But you're like, dude, these guys are competitors through and through to a T. So, oh, yeah. Like a guy like him, he wants to come out and show that you don't make it to that level without being a cutthroat competitor. Like almost I would say 99 percent of these guys that I've interacted with, like care deeply like even Nick Young who like people think is like a clown and whatever like Nick Young when he doesn't play well and the team loses like is really down and really upset and like you know wants to go punch a wall like like these guys are all really really locked in and all want to win and be the best player they can be and they all think that they are like and have the chance to be the best player in the NBA or maybe not that but you know at least better than they actually generally show and so because they you know when you're that competitive you just remember the best you've ever played and you don't really think about like you know the other times that bring those averages down and things like that like yeah he's incredibly competitive and the only time that I ever saw him care at all about any individual accolade this year was when he passed them that seemed to be something that like mattered to him despite the end result of that game but outside of that like there were games where he played really well and he he even talked about I just don't he's like I don't care like we didn't win and sometimes that's a cliche but he did seem generally genuinely upset after most of the losses he was frustrated and, and that's an encouraging sign because as much as people thought oh he's he's wants to go out and branch out and do his own project he's got the uninterrupted obviously working alongside with HBO he had a series on ESPN as well. It's like, okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. He's doing that stuff on the side. Don't you do your own projects outside of your job? And uh, you, you could see the competitor in him. And, and to me, he's one of the best guys in the NBA in, just in terms of how he is, his demeanor and how he carries himself. Um, so I wish, I wish that uh, he, he can kind of fulfill everything he wants and comes back even stronger next season with this team. Maybe with some reinforcements. That's right. But you know what? One last question for you before we wrap up. More of a competitor, more cutthroat. LeBron James or Harrison Fagan? 
Oh, it's definitely LeBron. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I actually used to be a lot more competitive in my younger days of like of blogging and of uh, you know like playing high school sports and stuff like that. But I've really, uh, I, honestly, I've gone soft with age. I'm not nearly as competitive as I used to be. So like that also, you know, I'm only 27. So like LeBron is in his 30s. Like to have kept up that rage and that like wanting to beat everyone every single night, like that almost impresses me because I've gotten to the point where I'm just like tired like uh <laughs> like you know like you know oh, how it goes. like you're working and you, you just get like older and you just get tired all the time and like i don't have the energy to just be mad at people and be trying to kick everybody's ass all the time no we we, we don't we're we uh, physically don't have that energy and uh d- definitely don't have that physique either so we, we try and stay away from, <laughs> from, from uh we try and stay away from conflict as much as we can uh harrison it's always fun to have you on uh, on the show man thanks again for doing this today yeah, no, I, I'm happy to do it anytime. I've I've actually really enjoyed these uh, like musical chair shows that we've been doing for May. So I hope the listeners have too. I'm sure, I'm sure they do, and, and you're one of the hardest uh, working guys that I know, especially when it comes to the Lakers coverage. And if you guys didn't know, congrats to uh, Harrison for finishing up college. He graduated from Cal State Fullerton, so that's awesome, man. It's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, thank you. It was. It's just honestly, it's just nice to be done. Like I was uh, there I, as I was transcribing all that first take stuff on Monday. I was just like, well, at least I don't have homework this week. Like that's not. <laughs> oh, it's like two full time jobs, man. That's what people don't yeah. understand. But I mean, you have the dedication to do it, and that shows how competitive you are. Maybe not with the outside world, but with yourself. So good on you, my man. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, that does it for this episode. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast network, uh, The Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, you can get your, wherever you get your fix, you can check us out on Google Play, uh, Google Podcast, pardon me, Stitcher, iTunes, you name it, we are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. The site's updated daily with news, analysis, rumors, you name it, we have it. And don't forget to follow us social media as well, at Lakers SBN. That's it. I'll talk to you all next time.